Why can't God just do everything for us and just call us holy even though it's impossible for us to live like that? Why would God command us to be holy if it is impossible? Is God just looking for perfect specimens? Or is there a more overarching reason as he is working towards regaining paradise loss? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 f.m. If you missed the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube and Gab TV at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com, our central hub, and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. And you will find us in person every Sunday at noon in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square as we sing and preach outdoors and talk with other people about the things of God. And we'll be doing that until uh, things get to such a degree where we won't be out there. The winter's coming up, and I don't know how everything will work, but we're taking it one step at a time. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Last time we were talking about holiness and the divine will, God's will for us to be holy. Today, we're going to be looking at holiness and human sin. And I believe we've touched on that in some degree as we've gone through things because you can't really talk about holiness without talking about uh, the human condition and our sinful state, our sinful heart, the sinful world. We're in all of those things. So uh, the need for holiness comes up as we just look at ourselves and we look around us. We're, the, we're in a fallen condition. All of humanity is in a fallen condition. We can look around us. If people are left to themselves, they gravitate towards evil. So we do have personal responsibilities and choices that you and I have to make, and we are responsible for the sins that we have chosen to do. And sometimes the more we choose to sin, well, not sometimes, every time, the more we choose to sin, the worse, the, our depravity becomes even worse and worse, so to speak. So we need holiness because of the fallen condition of man, because we are subject to decay. We're subject towards wickedness because of a fallen condition where it wasn't like that in the beginning. It is like that now. No one has to teach a baby how to tell a lie, to hit their siblings, to just be carnal, so to speak. We have to train our children to do everything opposite of that which in some respects is evidence of a fallen and depraved human nature. Now, there are some people that teach that we're so utterly depraved that we can do nothing and God's got to do everything for us. Therefore, you know, some are chosen to heaven and some chosen to hell. I don't believe the scriptures teach that. However, we are depraved in the sense that depravity has hit every single part of us. 
where we're not the way we used to be. And because of that, it has affected us in such a degree that we are prone to go towards sin more than anything else. And so we have a fallen condition, all of us. Then we, because of that, it's been a changed condition. So if we look all the way back in the Garden of Eden, we started one way. Then because of sin entering the world, things have changed. We were created holy. So that's normal, by the way. That's where everything starts. We were created holy from the hand of God. The Bible states it in these ways. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So that gets clearer. Paul's uh, definition of the image of God we find in Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we see things were good in the beginning. We were made in the image of God. And God, God's declaration on us as people was that we were very good. We came from his hand. Things were as they were intended to. The fall happened after Adam chose to sin. Well, Adam and Eve both chose to sin. The fall of mankind happened. And so with that degradation of humanity in all of our parts. So Paul's definition of the image of God then is righteousness and true holiness. That is the way God has created us. We look in Ecclesiastes 7.29, it says, Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but, but they have sought out many inventions. So God created us upright, but then we just gravitated towards evil. We sought it. It's our responsibility, but why? That's the question we're looking at. So that's the way God created us, upright. He created us in his image, which is in righteousness and true holiness. But now here we are in this world and we are in a sinful and a wicked state, a sinful and a wicked world. Look in Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then we look in Romans 3, 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. What is this sin that everyone is under? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Also Ephesians 2, 2 through 3. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had, we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, listen to this, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. So by nature, we were the children of wrath. Because of our, something wrong inside of our being, we were by nature heading in that direction. That is as the effects of the fall. Then we look in 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
a couple things dealt with here. This verse, by the way, is totally twisted in our present day. I would say go to my YouTube account, go to your favorite podcast uh, platform, look on there for when I went through 1 John chapter 1, and you'll get a fuller explanation than what I'm doing. But he's dealing with Gnostics who had some pretty crazy beliefs. And so he's not, if we try and make this say right now that we need to continue to live a life of sin, we've completely twisted the original intent of John as he wrote the epistle. But the Gnostics said that they did not have a, a nature of sin, a corrupted heart, neither did they actually sin. Uh, they had a special gnosis, so they didn't need the sacrifice of Christ. That is what this verse is trying to undo. He's saying, when he says, if we have no sin, if we say that we have no sin, if we don't have that corrupted heart, that nature of sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. But then he says, if we say we have not sinned, then we make God a liar. So there's two distinct forms of sin that are spoken of here. The sin of disposition in our heart and the sin of our actions. And so when we're thinking about um, the need for holiness or holiness in human sin, now we're in a state of sinfulness. We're in a state of wickedness. That is just where we are. So the cause for the change in man, as I had mentioned before, is ascribed to the fall of man. By the way, I, I'm starting again in this. I, I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but this uh, is all an outline from a book by Leslie Wilcox called Be Ye Holy. And I would encourage you to buy this book and to read it through very thorough, very simple. You can make the study out yourself. There's nothing in here that I can find where he's twisting things to fit in a certain doctrinal thing. He's just taking all of these scriptures and going through context and then bringing to us what the word of God says. So I would encourage anyone to buy that and read it. Um, so we look in Genesis 3, uh, the, ver the first eight verses, we read this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also, excuse me, unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, before they hadn't known that. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons, before they were not ashamed to be naked, they didn't know anything, uh, that it was that it was something they needed to be ashamed of. Now they're trying to cover themselves. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves, which they hadn't before done, from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So the cause for change in man is ascribed to the fall. There was an innocence before. There was a holiness and a righteousness before. And now we find... Here they are ashamed where they weren't ashamed before. Now they're hiding from God. Something happened and it's from the fall. We look in Romans 5.12, referencing back to the beginning, we read this. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. 
So by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. And because of that, death by sin. So not only physical death, but a spiritual death as well. Our spiritual faculties have been marred by sin's entrance into the world. It doesn't make it impossible for you and I to seek after God and find him. God has commanded us to do so, and he aids us by his grace. So he is constantly trying to draw people to himself, and he'll never step on our will. We've got to make the choice to either agree with him as he's working with us or reject him. Anybody can walk and seek after God because God is seeking every soul to come to himself. So we need to understand that. But then death passed upon all men, this says very clearly, because of Adam's choice. Spiritual death, physical death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Then we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So here we find that in Adam We all die. Death has taken place. That's where we're headed because of the fall. Uh, Let's look in 2 Corinthians 11, 3. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So here we have the serpent tricked Eve through his subtlety, and now everyone's minds are corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. There's not one single soul that can say, well, that doesn't affect me. It affects everybody according to the scripture. So everything started good, holy, righteous in the image of God. And because of the devil and then the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we are told from the scripture that corruption has gone across the entirety of creation both in the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and in the human kingdom, and then in the the soul of men and women, there has been a corruption, a deprivation of the spirit that has led to a depravity where we are now in such a state. So as a consequence of the fall, sin manifests itself in the lives of people in two ways. First, well, Maybe, yeah, so sin manifests itself in two ways. Um, And I'd like to go through that, but first we're going to take a break. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Visit and like our social media accounts with Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube. Visit our website at www.godsresistance.com and contact us by email at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So I was saying just before the break, as a consequence of the fall, sin manifests itself in the lives of people in two ways. So let's look at that. Every person born into the world is possessed of a sinful nature. Some people would argue and say that that's not the case. And I think the argument they bring up, there's a valid reason why they bring it up because some people use the sinful nature as an excuse to continue to live in sin and somehow say they're saved. That is incorrect according to the scripture. We can live a holy life. That is possible. Otherwise, God would not command that of us. 
and it is available to every soul that wills, according to Jesus. So we need to keep both of these things in check and not overreact on either side. Uh, so sinful nature defined is sinful inclinations in the heart, which produce the actual acts of sin. So there's a distinction here. Sin, the principle, that's the disposition and the corruption in the heart, that proneness, that bent towards evil and wrong. There's that, that sin principle in the heart. And then there's the specific acts known as sins, plural. That's when I actually do something wicked. So there's the fountain of sin, and then there is the actions of sin. Daniel Steele said, sin as an act or as a state or tendency. So that's something to think about, the two things. Sin as an act, and then sin as a state or tendency. Those two things are important to understand through the teaching of scripture and human experience and the human condition. Joseph H. Smith, he was a holiness writer, not the Joseph Smith of Mormonism. He said, sin as an act and sin as a state or condition of the moral nature, where the moral nature is leaning towards evil and wrong. So holiness writers have referred to this in many different ways. When I say holiness, I just mean not Calvinistic, those that would be more of the Arminian side where we believe that, that man has a free will to choose right or wrong and is not just a, a robot or some kind of automaton that just has to be at the mercy of God at every moment as to whether or not they're even going to make it. We have a cooperative effort with the Holy Ghost as people. So when the Spirit of God speaks to us, we respond and then we benefit from the grace that he pours out on us. But that is not God just using us like a puppeteer and we the marionettes. But holiness writers have referred to this problem inside of the heart in various ways. Original sin, carnality, and inbred sin. So you may hear those kind of terms. That is speaking, at least from holiness writers' perspective, of that kind of corruption in the heart. Um, some people go so far as to say original sin includes the guilt of Adam's sin, as if we could be guilty for something he's done. I, I can't see how that makes much sense um, according to the scripture and even just human reasoning. So I want to make that kind of a distinction when we're talking about this. Original sin, when I'm speaking of it here in any of these ways, I'm just talking about the corrupted part, our corrupted being, um, not, not that we have somehow been guilty of what Adam did. So let's look at the deeds or acts of sin. So there are outward deeds, uh, where we do it with the members of our body, as we're told in the scripture. So there are things I can do with my hands, things other people can see. There are actions that I commit, words that I speak, places that I go, things that I do. But then there are acts of sin that are inward. So I say inward, I'm pointing to my head, but I also would say inward in our heart. These are thoughts. These are imaginations. These are the affections of our heart. So this could be where Jesus says, that we could lust after a woman in our heart or vice versa. A woman could lust after uh, a man in her heart, dreaming of the sexually immoral things that could be done, even though they may not do it outwardly, it's still a sin. So there are outward acts and there are inward acts. There are polluted things that we are consenting to in our will that we are agreeing with. And in that very thing, we are sinning. First comes the principle 
that disposition to sin, the tendency to sin inside of us, and then comes the act if we're not careful. So the principle equals the fountain of sin from whence these actions come. Human conscience, uh, consciousness helps us to see this. First, uh, we it goes the other way around. We realize the wrong things we've done, and then maybe the question comes up, why did this happen? And this often goes on with a person who's been born again. They're not thinking so much with the fountain of their sin. They're thinking more of the evil that I've done and their crimes against God, and I have guilt for my actions. After they have confessed their sins to God and have been radically transformed by being born again, then they start to realize where all this came from and a deeper deeper problem in the heart. So God first tells us to repent. Repent of those wicked and evil deeds that we've done. Turn my back entirely on them and not continue to walk in those ways. And, and then my faith and hope in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that I'm cleaning myself up before I come to God. I am just reckoning with God, his verdict against my soul, the bad things that I have done. He's saying, you've done this. And I'm saying, you're right, I have, and I don't want to do it anymore. That's as far as that goes. At that point, I can trust in Christ to then save me and, and me be born again in a radical new person. After that, though, after we're saved, the command comes in Romans 12. God then tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now we're doing something about our being, not our actions. So the Bible speaks of both the nature and the acts of sin in some of these following scriptures. Uh, so scripture words or names for acts of sin. So here's some verbs, sin or transgress, you'll read inside of the Bible. 1 Samuel 15, 24, it says, Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Saul did something wrong outwardly. He did not obey God, and he listened to the people and did exactly the opposite of what God asked him. That was an outward sin. Psalm 51, 4. Against, or excuse me, against thee, David said, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. He committed adultery with another man's wife and then to cover it up, had the man killed. He did an action of sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is speaking about actions of sin. First uh, John 1.10, if we say that we have not sinned, actions of sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So those are some verbs you can find in the scripture, which is speaking about actions. Then we can talk about committing sins and we can do that uh, by way of a noun. So sin, Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So those two words together help us to understand an action of sin. James 2.9, but if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, an action of sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors, those that commit outward sins. 1 John 3.4, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the breaking of God's commandment by doing an action of sin contrary to what God's law says. Those are actions. Other words for sin. Let's look in Ezekiel 33, 13. 
when I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live if he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. So he did a sin. Uh, Jude one fifteen to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, something they've done, which they have ungodly committed, they did it, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So we find actions of sin, naming some particular sins we find in the Bible, Romans 2.22. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Here's actions of sins. Revelation 2.14. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So there we find actions of sin. Some more nouns, transgression or trespass. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So speaking of Adam's transgression, it's speaking of the sin he committed. Galatians 3.19, wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, uh, committing sin, things people did, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Ephesians 2.1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, sins committed. Sin or iniquity is other words used to describe that. These words are used in the singular when uh, reference is being made to a single act of sin. Otherwise, these two words in the singular often refer to the principle of this uh, of sin, as we're going to see a little bit later. Uh, Deuteronomy 21, 22. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be, and he need to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree. So here is a sin committed. Then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy people, and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest unto their fathers. 1 Kings 8.34. So singular sin is an action of sin here. And you can tell by context. Sin and iniquity, speaking of a life or a course of sin, we also find in scripture. Psalm 85.2. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Psalm 85.2. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Psalms 106.6. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. When used in the singular, there are three meanings, a single act of sin, a life or course of sin, or the principle of sin, which then causes me to commit actual sin if I don't hold it in check. So the careful study of context when you're reading will help you to determine what those words mean in any, any given passage. So committing pardon or forgiveness of sin or iniquity must refer to one of those first two meanings, a single act or a life or course of sin. Acts of sin bring God's condemnation. So then we are estranged from God and we have God's displeasure towards us because of the, the evil that we've done. The effects of the commission of acts of sin, divine judgment or condemnation because of sin we read in, in these scriptures. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Ezekiel 18, 4. Uh, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, 
not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them, Romans 1.32. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. This is condemnation. And that's Romans 3.19. Inflaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 2 Thessalonians 1.8. So vengeance toward the wickedness and toward the evil. Um, estrangement or alienation, which sin brings, we read in Colossians 1.21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We see the displeasure of God towards sin in Zechariah 1.2. The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Uh, and that was in the time of captivity and uh, the prophets spurned these wicked uh, people and their actions at that time. Next time, we're going to talk about the disposition of sin. We had only talked about those actions of it. I hope that helps you to see something of what the scripture speaks about if you and I physically sin and what God, his reaction to those things are. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance.com. I'd love to get in contact with you and help you along your journey to walk with God and to obey the scriptures and what he says there. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.